welcome to Shopaholics Japan, where we chat about life in Japan and the amazing Japanese products we can't live without. I'm Grant. I'm Jessica. And I'm Kai. And we are your hosts for this week. This podcast is powered by World Shopping, which makes online shopping on Japanese stores easy. Today, we're chatting about Japanese souvenirs. We'll share things we've bought, our favorite items, and some recommendations on what you should pick up when you're in Japan. Now, all of us live in Japan now, so I don't think we're doing a lot of souvenir shopping. So I want to go back, back to when we all first came to Japan. What items did we pick up on our very first trip to Japan? So, Cheska, I'm a bit interested in wondering when did you first come to Japan and what's something that you bought? You're making me really have to think back now because I first came to Japan for a semester of study abroad in college. And really, when it came to souvenirs at that time, I didn't know anyone except one other person who'd been to Japan before. Anyone, even like random acquaintances, were like, oh, oh make sure you bring me something back. So I had a ton of people I had to get things for. Oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, I kind of tried to focus on smaller things because I had to bring a bunch home. So kind of like your typical uh, chopsticks. Mm. Also kind of like um, very small like sake sets, but not not the sake itself. The sake cups? But the, yeah, the cups and like the, the stoneware, like small bottle, mm. that kind of like traditional sense. Even though I came in the fall, it was still quite warm that year for some reason. Mm. So another thing that I uh, found really great was um, folding paper fans, like when you're hot in the summer. Oh, yes, um, yes. A lot of them, they're kind of marketed almost exclusively as souvenirs, but they have a lot of beautiful like prints on them, tend to be maybe from like Japanese ukiyo-e hmm. inspired. Yeah, they were, they were pretty great. That's a pretty common souvenir, but I wonder how many people are using them once they receive them in the West. <laughs> I don't know, but... I was a poor college student at that point, so <laughs> they they whoever got stuff from me back then, you better have appreciated it because <laughs> I did not have the money to get really nice stuff. Right. But they still were, I mean, even though it was like just a folding fan, maybe with like a bamboo for like the hard bits, they were still really pretty. And like, even if you just set it as like a display, because they're very clearly like Japanese mm. art. Yeah, but then nerdy friends just like small little game related or Pokemon related, like little tiny figures. Pretty much the main focus of my souvenir buying was small. So I'd be able to bring it back with me. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the main things people don't really think about when they're souvenir shopping is that, oh, you need to carry this back home over the ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eventually, I think some people are a bit crafty and they ship things to overseas from Japan. Oh, I think yeah. that's definitely the way to go. That when didn't I went, even occur to me back then. When I went to Fukuoka a few years ago, of course, there's a bunch of stuff I wanted to buy, but I can't carry it back. So typically mm -hmm. every few days, I would just go to the post office and ship things. You need a bit <laughs> of Japanese knowledge to kind of manage it, but I think it's pretty doable. Yeah, well, I, I guess it's probably just gotten easier over the years, mm. perhaps. So Kai, what about you? On your first trip to Japan, what did you buy? First time I came here as an adult was probably uh, when I did a year of study abroad in university. Oh, nice. You did a full year. Yeah. And that was also the only year I actually ever went to university. Ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Is it because uh, you bought so many souvenirs? 
Yes, I bought so many souvenirs and definitely did not spend all my money going out drinking. Hey, what did, did I buy any souvenirs? Besides liquid consumables? Yeah, is it really a souvenir if you don't take it home? Now think about it. For other people, I had one friend that wanted me to bring back those cans of, you know, the Satsuma drops or what? Oh, what yes, yes. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. hard candies. Yeah, uh, I think most people know them from Grave of the Fireflies. And in mm-hmm. Japan, there's actually like, Grave of the Fireflies branded Sakuma Drops, which is kind of strange because that's a very dramatic and serious movie, but it has some sort yeah. of merchandise. I think that was it for souvenirs. I was I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so my friend's like, oh, can you bring me back something? I was like, no, I don't. I can't. I don't have the money. <laughs> oh, one thing I do tend to keep, though, is you know how sometimes when you go into like zoos or whatever exhibitions, they give you a little ticket? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I try to hold on to those because to me, I have that attached to an emotion and an event and a, and a specific memory. So I like to hold on to those. Yeah. Yeah. More like also, like you said, like connection to like the experience as well. Yeah. Not yeah. just a thing. Yeah. I think the point of souvenirs is that when you see it, it's supposed to bring back some sort of memory or some sort of feeling. So really anything that does that could count as a souvenir. The first yeah. time I visited Japan, I didn't study abroad. It was just a short, maybe week or two week trip to Tokyo. And so mm-hmm. at this time, of course, I'm a big fan of like traditional Japanese culture. So I was more interested in hitting up like shrines and temples and those types of places and oh, seeing okay. what I could buy. I bought a lot of type of like Cheska-san. I bought a lot of small kind of knickknacks, just something that mm-hmm. I could put on my shelf. Because I also, yeah, came as a, a poor college student. So cheap and small. <laughs> Man, that sounds like a theme here. <laughs> yeah. Cheap and small is like a, a very important characteristics for souvenirs. So the thing that I bought that definitely I remember and that stood out for me, of course, was a daruma, which is like a paper mache doll, which is pretty iconic, a very famous image of Japanese culture and tradition. If you're not sure what it is, listeners, it's basically a red paper mache figure that has a face and you are supposed to draw in the eyes of the pupils as sort of like a wish making item. So you make a wish and you draw in one eye and then when the wish comes true, you draw in the second eye. So the hard part is actually remembering what wish you made because it's been a... It Do any be, of your yeah. Dadama souvenirs have a second eye drawn in yet? The first one I drew, yes. I don't remember what my wish was, but I do remember filling it in. So that's the important part. Nice. But I accomplished <laughs> it, but I don't remember exactly what it was. And I bought a lot of other small kind of like porcelain figures. And I'm not like a mm. porcelain figure collector, but it was small and cheap. And if I see it, I remember, oh, I went to Japan. So... Mm-hmm. That type of thing is like really evocative. So yeah, the first time, and I was also really big into omamoris, which are Mm. kind of like amulets from shrines. And these are made out of typically like silk or some sort of cloth. And they're like a common keychain item. I'm still a pretty big fan of them. Uh, We'll get into later about like modern day souvenirs, but I still buy a lot of them, uh, much to my wife's chagrin because she thinks they're kind of a waste of money. And but they have it, a lot of beautiful designs on them, too. That, yeah, that's what I say. Um, they, <laughs> they are not expensive, but some of them, they can set you back like maybe like 1,000 yen. Or especially if it's like a really famous shrine, you're definitely mm-hmm. paying at least 1,000 yen. Or really just something that you will look at and then like put on your maybe keychain at best, your shelf at worst. And I have dozens like on my shelf and very few uh-huh. actually on me at all times. But I want to have as many colors as possible, as many designs as possible. And, you know... I don't know when I'm going to like Uji Shrine next or Issei Jingu next. Yeah. Kind of like how Kai was with the tickets. It's like connection to like 
that experience of going to that place too, not yeah. just- yes. And the money goes to go support the shrine. So it's never yeah. wasted money in my opinion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember the shrine I went to, of course, is a Meiji shrine, Meiji Jingu, and ah. Harajuku, which is a very famous shrine. And of course, at the time, I'm thinking I might never come back here again. So I better buy this Omomori. But now yeah. I can technically probably go there every day if I really want to. <laughs> uh, I don't, but it is technically and like physically possible. So, but it's at least a good souvenir that I have. But actually, I, you know, I've been to Meiji Shrine, of course, since my first visit. And the design of the Omomori is pretty much the exact same. So it's not like they're... Oh, not like, much change over time yeah. then. Uh, I'm glad about it then, so I don't have to buy it now. So let's talk about modern day souvenirs. Since we all first visited Japan as adults, you know, probably a decade or so ago, of course, a lot of the traditional souvenirs were the same. People are still buying darimas. People are still buying omomoris. But let's talk about what are some other things people buy now. A souvenir, as we talked about before, it can really be anything. Like mm-hmm. shoes could be a souvenir technically. Well, I don't think any of us mentioned it from our experiences of our first time coming, but I think like snacks and unique to Japan food items mm. uh, are extremely popular or at least like famous. For example, one thing that comes to my mind is like Japanese Kit Kats are almost like oh, yes. famous around the world for having an insanely huge variety of flavors that don't exist in any other country. And so I feel like a lot of foreigners that maybe come nowadays because they're aware of that, maybe even if they don't like buy it to take home, it's like one of their, on their like to-do list of Mm. to at least find different Kit Kat flavors. Yeah, that's definitely something that's a bit more recent. I think maybe even like 10 years or so ago, maybe they had them, but it wasn't like a hot topic. Mm -hmm. Now, like you mentioned, people are coming to Japan and they're seeking out these Kit Kat. And in Tokyo, at least, there's a few Kit Kat confectionaries. I believe that's the name of the shop where it's kind of oh, like really? a, a Kit Kat cafe. Oh, like I didn't know that. A Kit Kat shop. Uh, but they don't sell like all the different flavors. They typically have mm-hmm. like seasonal flavors or almost it's kind of like a gourmet cafe, if you can believe that, for Kit Kat. A lot of items that you can only buy at these Kit Kat shops and cafes. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for just like the green tea Kit Kat or like the crazy like uh, like Umeshu Kit Kats, you could just go to Don Quixote or any convenience store and they will have yeah, some yeah. flavor of Kit Kat there. Yeah. At, at least, even if it's not like unusual for Japan, mm. it's definitely unusual for anywhere that's not Japan. Yeah. Yeah. When my parents yeah. came to Japan a few years ago, it's kind of funny to see like what they're interested in because they're not really, you know, curious about picking up, you know, Dharma or like traditional type of type of items. Like my mm-hmm. mom came and she just bought like a bag from a department store. So that's technically like a souvenir for her, but it's not something that she like researched and was like looking forward to picking up. She just walked into a shop and thought, well, I've never seen this before. Everyone has like different styles and different flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Kai, what's something that you think people are buying? Since you live in Fukuoka, what are people buying when they go to Fukuoka or Kyushu? So Fukuoka is known for their, for two things, really. Their tonkotsu ramen. Hmm. And their mentaiko. So tonkotsu right. ramen is, you know, I'm sure it's, everyone knows about it now, but it's the pork broth ramen. It's really thick, really strong flavor, mm. really savory. Delicious. Very, very delicious. So <laughs> in souvenir shops, you can find kind of like a, they're like instant ramen, but it's a little bit more upscale, a little bit fancy. It comes in a little packaged box, higher quality noodles and broth and mm. everything. That's really common. And the mentaiko is cod roe, I believe but spicy. 
So it's like spicy cauldron type thing. <laughs> so if you're staying within country or not going very far, that's a common souvenir to get since it has to be refrigerated. If not that, then they also have these things called membe, which is sembe, but mentaiko flavored. So those are really popular for Fukuoka. Yeah, Sembe is actually another good one. I have a friend and one of the biggest requests I get from her is, uh, I don't care what kind, just get me some sembe, please. <laughs> yeah, snacks are a really common and popular item, or especially when you live in Japan. You're not really picking up you know, a big thing to take home if you visit another prefecture or another city in Japan. You're probably mm-hmm. thinking about, oh, what's something that I can eat in my hotel room or <laughs> eat he- only here? Recently, when I went to uh, Shitakawago in Gifu, Shitakawago, by the way, is this small village in Japan that is famous for their unique home architecture. They have these thatched roofs uh, because oh, okay. it snows a lot there. And so the homes don't look like traditional Japanese style uh, architecture. It's really kind of one of a kind type of house that you can only find in this place. A lot of food that is shaped like the house. So you can buy like manju shaped like this house. And I bought some cookies that were shaped like the house. I'm not really looking for the flavor. I'm looking for, okay, this is a house shaped cookie. And I've never (laughs) eaten this before. So I want to try it out now. I love that. They really just leaned into the one thing they were famous for. Yeah. (laughs) I was talking to some coworkers recently about how Japan is especially good at this. And we were talking about, oh, if the pyramids were in Japan, there would be so many like wild, like Japanese pyramid themed souvenirs. There would be like, oh, yeah. yeah, like pyramid manju. There would be like pyramid, like French toast and all this other weird stuff. So they would somehow definitely have some drink in a can or bo- some container that would be shaped like a pyramid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> definitely. 100%. I also wanted to bring up a bit of some more recent trendy souvenirs. One is the Neko cup. Of course, Neko means cat. So it's a cat cup. And what this is, is kind of like a plastic, I suppose it is a cup, but you can use it for multiple purposes. It's just really a plastic mold and it's shaped like a cat. Have either of you seen this before? I think I know what you're talking about, but I might be wrong. Not necessarily like in person, but I feel like I've seen pictures maybe of things that were made using that mold. Uh, Yes. One great thing about it is that it can be used for many, many different purposes. And it is kind of a popular and recent item in Japan. It's available on several online shops. I believe Mm -hmm. Consent is like maybe, I'm not sure if they're the creator of it, but they seem to be the most popular shop where you can buy it. But I've seen them in physical stores in Japan as well. And especially a lot of like tourist facing stores. So I think the company that makes it is trying to appeal a lot to tourists. And yeah, like I mentioned before, it's just a plastic cat shaped mold. There's two different versions. There's like a bigger one where it looks like a cat laying down. And there's like Mm -hmm. a smaller one where it's like a sitting cat, almost like a Totoro kind of shape. And you can use it many different things. I've seen it for like rice. So you could have cat-shaped rice. I've seen <laughs> I've seen it. People use it on the beach so they can make sand figures that are shaped like cats. I've seen it for like jello. So you can have cat-shaped jello. Even though it's like a very simple item, you can use it many different ways. I think the real reason why people are buying it is that it's a very like Instagram-friendly item. Oh, uh. you can make if you just make something shaped like a cat that's normally not shaped like a cat, you can get thousands of likes on Instagram. So I think I mean people, that's the power of cats. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are buying it just for this yeah, actually, reason. Actually, I guess with Valentine's Day coming up and Japan being really big on like homemade chocolate, I bet there are probably a lot of people who are gonna use this to like make their Valentine's chocolate with this Oh yeah. Mold. Definitely. 
Uh, some other shops I wanted to bring up, what we talked about earlier is that, oh, when you travel to another place in Japan, you want to buy that region's local goods. You don't have to go to, for example, Miyazaki-ken, Miyazaki Prefecture, to buy things from Miyazaki. There are actually, you know, many shops online where they just have all the prefecture's goods that you can buy directly from this one shop, which I think is a little bit of cheating. To me, I feel like you need to go there and buy it at this like local shop before you can really yeah, look at my souvenir it. from this place. Oh, when did you go there? Oh, don't mind that. Just look at the souvenir. But yeah, if you can't make your way there, you can kind of have like a, an online souvenir. Jessica mentioned earlier chopsticks. So oh, where, yeah, yeah. where do you guys stand on buying chopsticks as a souvenir? Do you think it's worthwhile or is it a little strange or is it actually really practical? I'm of the opinion that if you're going to buy a souvenir, you should buy something you're going to use. So anything like plates, cups, uh, chopsticks, knives, if you can play a part in your life, I think it's a great souvenir. I kind of agree, although uh, since a lot of my mindset is kind of focused on like souvenirs for others, not so much for myself, hmm. uh, I would say don't fall into the trap of, oh, this is great. I love this. But uh, remember, the person you're giving it to might not know how to use chopsticks. So that would hmm. be kind of like a waste to them. I didn't really even think of chopsticks as a souvenir before I came to Japan. It's not like I was dreaming of visiting Japan to buy chopsticks, but in mm -hmm. Japan, there are many shops dedicated to only selling chopsticks, even in very touristy areas, because I was also a bit skeptical about, well, chopsticks are not really used as you know the main eating utensil in, for example, America. But I do notice a lot of tourists do at least kind of pop in. Like Kai said, it is kind of a practical souvenir, even if they don't use it every day, maybe when they go home to America. And they cook like Japanese food or Chinese food. They might think, "Hey, mm -hmm. let's try some. Let's use those chopsticks and have like a more authentic eating experience." I think also maybe another aspect is uh, with almost anything Japanese made, there's some like artistic aspect of the design, mm. and so you can get some very beautiful chopsticks. Yeah, yeah. I have these nice chopsticks that are black and they're lacquer, and it has like the rabbit and the moon on it, which is a pretty common. Oh like symbol of Japan. And where do you guys stand on kimonos or yukatas as souvenirs? I would say only for small children. Mm. Yeah. They can get quite expensive. And yes. they also can be somewhat complicated to like put on. Mm. I mean, it's if you're getting it for yourself, I guess if you know how to put it on, that's fine. But again, here I am with my thinking of like getting it for other people. I don't yes. think I would get a, a yukata for anyone. Even if that's a yukata is like the simplest form of a kimono, it's still like not exactly easy to figure out. Like you almost have to have like a video guide on how to put it on. My first trip to Kyoto, I bought a yukata. A lot of people wear it during summertime. If you want like a real deal, I'm a princess kimono. That's definitely going to set you back like a lot of a lot of yen, a lot of dollars. But you could buy a yukata for fairly cheap, definitely under one hundred dollars. Yeah. And but yeah, like Jessica said, you kind of have to know how to put it on. And for men, the uh, tying of the belt, that's the tricky part. Anyone can put on the robe. That, that's pretty straightforward. Every time I put on a yukata, I'm just like Googling how to tie the obi the men's way. Yukata and kimono is definitely like something you need to wear before you buy. It's hard to just mm -hmm. get it off the shelf. Now that's, that's another thing too, especially if you're not living in Japan. You wear it, you like it, you buy it, you take it home, and then it ends up sitting in your closet because when do you have the opportunity to really use it? Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, if that's something you want to keep, that's fine. I think that's totally cool. But I'll, I I personally feel like it's a bit of a waste to just let it sit and gather dust and get eaten by moths. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should definitely wear it like when you can. But it, yeah, and especially if you're in America, it's hard to find an occasion to suddenly wear a yukata. Yeah. That's kind of why I, I would recommend it for like small children because they have like the jimbei version, mm, which yes. is basically like shorts and a top, but you like kind of tie it closed with like a single ribbon, I think. But um, kids, like they just wear whatever, whenever. So, yeah. and because a lot of the like fabric designs for the jimbei are always like fun, bright, colorful. So I've gotten jimbei for my nieces and nephews. So what would you guys recommend as a souvenir for somebody coming to Japan for the first time, let's say in 2023? Kai, what's something that you think people should pick up? I think practical souvenirs are always the best mm. because there's you know, something you'll use. In terms of something more cultural or unique, chopsticks and a knife. <laughs> oh, what, like a knife? Like a, cut, like a uh, cooking like, knife. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Japanese cooking knives are pretty like legit yeah yeah and and a lot of them are very very pretty as well it's like damascus steel or whatever it's called i don't remember like that wavy pattern on the metal yeah they have that and they have the hammered metals and then sometimes on the handles Mm. themselves you know there's different woods and different shapes i like to cook a lot at home so that's one thing i would probably pick up to take with me what about you cheska-san what's something that you recommend people buy if they come to japan let's say for the first time next month or so Mm. Some kind of charm or keychain with like a a really distinct or like beautiful design. You can almost like put it on anything. Like you can attach it to your wallet or your bag or whatever. And then you always have that kind of reminder like, oh yeah, this is from when I went to Japan. I agree with Cheska-san where a lot of traditional items are really good souvenirs. Like a daruma, of course, which I talked about earlier. That's something really iconic from Japan and pretty small and cheap enough that you could buy at a shrine or a lot of other souvenir shops. And Mm -hmm. one shop that... I wanted to mention is Beams Japan in Shinjuku. Beams, of course, is a really famous brand for Japanese fashion. However, they also have a specific shop in Shinjuku that sells a lot of traditional Japanese goods and items, but it has like a Beams spin on it. A lot of these are kind of like orange, like you can buy an orange darima or an orange Tanuki statue. So it's kind of funny where it's like, okay, this is a very modern and stylish Japanese fashion brand, but you can also buy a lot of old type of things here, but it has like a, the Beams branding on it. And it's a really like fun modern place. twist on it. Yeah. And it's a fun place to like venture into because the storefront has like a huge wall of lanterns. So it really stands out when you're passing by it. Oh, oh. I definitely recommend listeners don't underestimate chopsticks. It definitely sounds like a weird yeah. item. You might think like chopsticks out of everything you can buy in Japan, but If you buy them, you'll definitely use them. And you could use them every day. And that's it for this week's episode. If you're curious about these shops or there's a store in Japan you like, you can buy anything from Japan with World Shopping. You'll see the World Shopping banner appear on hundreds of Japanese sites, allowing you to instantly buy anything from participating shops, including some we talked about today, like Consent, where you can buy the Neko Cup, Jimoto Story, where you can buy items from all over Japan, Iohashi, where you can buy those much-needed chopsticks, and many others. Search World Shopping Global for more information and start shopping today. Plus, the links to all the shops we talked about and our service are in the podcast description. And you can find us on social media. Just search for World Shopping on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. See you later, or in Japanese, matane. Matane. Jane.